Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Series. This is Liz Southern, Child Development Consultant with the Braille Institute. Tonight's topic is what questions to ask your ophthalmologist or physician. The Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairment. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. And now I will hand it over to Dr. Bill. Oh, thank you very much, Liz. Appreciate that very much. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being on the call this evening. You know, after a long day's work and we have this change to daylight savings time, I know a lot of you would rather be just relaxing with a nice cup of wine or something, but uh, I really appreciate you being on the call here with us. This evening, we're going to be talking about what are some of the types of questions that you can ask your eye doctor when you go in for your child's appointment. And we're also going to give you a list of the kinds of information that you should keep with you every time that you go to an appointment for your child's eyes. And lastly, we're going to talk about what are the differences between the ophthalmologist and the optometrist. Both of them are eye doctors, but when you go for these appointments, you notice that they're doing very different types of things. So let's go ahead and let's begin by discussing what kind of information would it be helpful for you to maybe get on your computer and type this information so that anytime you go for an appointment, you could print out this page and then the office will have everything that they need. So the first thing that you want to then start on this particular type of page is you want to have your child's first name and then your child's last name. The next line, let's have the child's date of birth. And the next line, where was your child born? You could list the hospital or maybe the child was born at your home, but you could list where the child was actually born. And you then want to list who is your child's pediatrician? Who is the doctor that's taking care of your child's overall health? And who is your child's eye doctor? So you could write down all the doctors your child may have seen, or if your child has never been seen by an eye doctor, you could just write none. And then we're going to go into the category about your child's delivery. Was your child full term? Or 
Now, this is a very important question to the doctors because if a child is born premature, they often have problems with the tissue in the eye because it's not fully developed. And there are amazingly many, many treatments that could be performed if a child was born prematurely and the retina was not fully developed. So if you happen to know if your child was full term, well, maybe your child was born after 30 weeks gestation, but you want to write that down. And then you want to include what was the child's birth weight? When your child was born, how much did your child weigh at that time? And what we find, the reason that's very important, is that children who are under a specific weight, they often will have problems with their retina. So it's possible. Maybe your child was born full term, but your child was very, very thin, very skinny baby. And as a result, this child may have reduced vision because that affected the retina. And if a child has reduced weight like that, that really clues the doctors to think about, let's go ahead and make certain that this child has enough nutrients. Let's give this child extra vitamins and supplements if the child may then need it. So they could do blood tests and they could figure out immediately if your child is deficient in certain types of nutrients. And then we want to know, were there any perinatal, you spell that P-E-R-I, N-A-T-A-L, complications perinatal complications. Were there problems right at the time of birth? You know, was this an emergency birth delivery? Maybe the family was in a car accident? And the stress of the accident caused the baby to start to get born at that time? Maybe there was an injury where mom got injured and mom was bleeding from the leg and was losing blood at the time of the delivery? Maybe it's that mom got knocked out. She wasn't breathing. And the doctors and the nurses were really worried that 
if mom's not breathing, then the baby's not breathing. So they rush to put oxygen on mom. We want to find out, were there any problems where the baby was not breathing shortly after birth? You know, after the baby is delivered and then the doctors go ahead and spank the baby and they want the baby to cry to begin to breathe in and out. Well, sometimes some babies, they don't, they don't cry for a while. They gotta spank them a few times, but if that was a problem, be sure to include that. And the reason for that is that sometimes if a baby is not breathing right away, maybe for 10 or 20 seconds the baby wasn't breathing, and that could affect the visual part of the brain. Where the visual part of the brain didn't get enough oxygen, and that affects the way that the child sees early. But fortunately, we could implement vision stimulation exercises and those kids that maybe weren't breathing fully at birth, they could develop a high amount of vision after we do this type of therapy. We'd like to also know, did the baby have any seizures right at birth? Some babies, as soon as they're born, they're actually having seizures and their body is shaking. Other times, there may be other types of medical complications where some of the blood vessels of mom became clamped or blocked and blood isn't circulating properly. So those are some of the things to uh, think about. And if you type these up, write these on a piece of paper, when you go in for an appointment, you could just hand that to the doctors and the nurses. Now, you also then want to make some observations about your baby as best as you can. Sometimes mom can't do it. But if there's another family member, they could often do it. I remember when my daughter was born, I just, it was unbelievable. You know, it was our first child. And as soon as her head popped out, her head was exposed. She opened her eyes, and she looked right at me. I just couldn't believe it. 
so you want to make notice. Uh, when did the child first open his or her eyes? Were your child's eyes steady? Or were the eyes just shaking and rolling and moving all over the place? Did it look to you as though the eyes were straight? In other words, did it look like maybe the eyes were going crossed inward towards the nose? Or did it look like one eye was pointing higher than the other eye? Any observations like that are great. Did your child actually look at you and maybe follow you? So, you know, so me being an eye doctor, when my daughter was born, I couldn't believe that she was looking at me. I said, no, that couldn't be. So I started doing research on her, and I started moving my head from side to side to see if she really was seeing me. And she was. She turned her head and her eyes to follow me from one direction to the other. It made me realize that, wow, even before the whole body is born, these kids, they may have some vision at that time. Now, you also may want to make some notes of what you remember the doctors saying. The doctors may not be telling you certain things, but they might be saying certain things. And perhaps, did the doctors call in an ophthalmologist into the delivery room? Sometimes it may be that the doctor observe something funny with the eyes and they want an ophthalmologist to look right away. So if another doctor comes in just to look at the eyes, then you could be assured that's an eye doctor. If the doctor mentions something about oxygen... Let's get the baby in the incubator. Let's put the baby in some oxygen. Try to remember that type of thing because it, it tells you that, well, maybe the child wasn't getting the full amount of oxygen at that point in time. So maybe they were going to put this baby on oxygen or in an incubator to get it higher levels of oxygen. And... When they do that, I know sometimes you might think, oh, my gosh, my baby's sick or something. But the reality is that, hey, the doctors identified that this child could benefit from more oxygen. And let's give her the oxygen right now. If they do that, that is fantastic. We want them to give her the oxygen that she might need as soon as possible. 
because all of those cells of the eye and the brain, they are going to develop faster when the child has the right amount of oxygen. So let me give you an example of that. There are some kids that when they're born, we could tell that they don't have enough oxygen. We could look at their skin. We could look at the color inside the eyes and we see, oh no, this child needs more oxygen. And when those children are in that state of low oxygen, sometimes they're blind. Sometimes these kids can't see anything. They're totally blind. And after they've been given oxygen, and they'll put them maybe in an incubator, and a couple days, take them out of it, and you'll see, boy, the color of their face, their skin, everything is just different. And then you watch how that child uses his or her eyes, and you realize, thank God, my child has vision now. Before, my child didn't seem to see anything, and now my child does. And that's because that oxygen is important to allow the eye and the visual centers of the brain to grow and to develop. Okay, so we've talked about now the history that this child has had about the eyes. And now we want to talk about the child's overall medical history. So we could then say the child have a medical diagnosis. Is there any medical diagnosis? For example, a doctor might tell you that this child is very healthy. Or the doctor might say, this child has low birth weight. In other words, this child could benefit from gaining some weight. Or in some cases, it may be that the child has cerebral palsy. And whatever is the diagnosis, we just want to go ahead and write that down on this paper so that everybody who works with this child will know what's going on. And as we develop, what are going to be the kinds of treatments we want to give this child, we could coordinate it very, very well. I remember when I first started working as a doctor and I had a lot of babies, little babies, that had the diagnosis of cerebral palsy. And in my mind, people that I knew who had cerebral palsy were very very, very involved. 
these were adults who they could not walk. They had to have somebody push them in a wheelchair. They could not use their hands. They couldn't use their arms to try to type. And when you would speak to these adults with cerebral palsy, oh, it was so difficult to understand what they said. So when I would see all these kids with cerebral palsy, oh my, I felt so bad for them. I thought, these kids are going to have such a difficult and a tough life. But I learned it wasn't that way at all. That these kids at a very young age, they would begin physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, vision therapy. And every day they would have these different types of therapies. I said, my gosh, these kids are only weeks old and they're already going to all of these treatments. But it was just part of their life. They didn't know any different. And they thought all of these therapies were just fun and games. But even better yet, as these kids started to get older and I watched them grow and develop. Oh, it's so amazing when you see these kids who have the diagnosis of root palsy when they're crawling and then they're standing and walking and then running and they're singing and jumping and talking and they're using vision to play video games. It made me realize that the work Of all of these early infant specialists, it is just so, so valuable and so important. So if there is a particular type of medical diagnosis that the doctor has talked about it, we need to write that down so that when we do have meetings with the doctors, we can then ask, for therapy. I would like to know, is there any types of physical or speech therapy that my child could benefit from? Some kids have difficulty swallowing because of their motor difficulties from cerebral palsy. I didn't know it. There are these speeding therapists that help these kids to learn how to swallow. And as they're eating more food, gaining more weight, getting stronger, you see all sorts of changes. So we want to write down what are the diagnoses that the doctors have found, and then you want to write down what are the different treatments You might have the physical therapist and the occupational therapist come into your house twice a week. You might have the vision therapist come into the house twice a week. 
but when we write everything down, then everybody could really see very clearly what's going on with this child's treatment and the care that this child then receives. And as the child gets older and begins to go to daycare, or maybe the child's going to like a preschool or something like that, include all of that too. And you will probably receive recommendations from the doctors and the therapists of special daycares and special preschools that are really, really excellent in working with kids who have some of these kinds of difficulties. But the important thing to remember, it's so important to remember that the first seven years of life, the first seven years of life, it is so important that we play and we talk and we stimulate these children because that is when the brain is growing. And as the brain grows, vision can improve, hearing can improve, motor skills can improve, cognition can improve. Everything develops so rapidly during the first seven years. So we want to keep them active and doing fun things. But if we just let them lie in a bassinet in a dark room all day long, their brain will not grow. Their brain will not develop as well. And that time that we missed out, we'll never get it back. We'll never get it back. But we need to do all of these types of therapies and treatments and things early on. Now, the last bit of information you want to put on this sheet is you want to put on the parents' information and the family information. So you want to put, okay, mother's first name, mother's last name, mother's home phone, mother's work phone, mother's cell phone, father's first name, father's last name, father's work phone, cell phone, home phone, and you can put your email addresses there too. And then list any of the people in the family, other brothers or sisters that the child may have. List each of them, and if any of them have anything wrong with their vision... Just write it down. You might say, oldest sister has crossed eyes. Oldest brother has crossed eyes. Second brother wears glasses. So you could just write down whatever it is that you know about it that way. And then lastly, if there's any other relatives who have vision issues, vision problems, you might say, oh, Uncle Bill is blind. 
cousin Joseph is legally blind. So if there's anybody in the family, just go ahead and make a note of that. And the reason that's really helpful is when we list it this way, it makes it much easier for the doctors to identify. Maybe there's a genetic pattern here. Maybe this is something that runs in the family. Okay, so we'll go ahead and we'll include any kind of vision problems that other members of the family may have. Okay? Now, the next thing that we're going to talk about then is let's talk about what is the difference between the ophthalmologist and the optometrist? You know, we both know them as eye doctors, but the specialty of these doctors is very, very, very different. Now, the ophthalmologist is a medical doctor who goes to medical school, and after completing medical school, they'll go to an ophthalmology program, usually for three years. And in the ophthalmology program, they learn to diagnose diseases of the eyes. They learn how to treat diseases of the eyes with medications. And they learn to treat diseases of the eye with surgery. And so, in many cases, I like to think of the ophthalmologist as highly skilled surgeons. And when you look at the schedule of the ophthalmologist, their day is very, very busy. They usually will have a nurse and a technician that assist them. And the doctor, the ophthalmologist, will come in to see your child, and they may spend five minutes examining the eyes of your child. And then they'll go on to the next patient. Now, I have many, many friends who are pediatric ophthalmologists, and they see, on the average... They'll see about 10 to 12 patients every hour. So they see very close to 100 children every day. Now that's a lot of patients. Oh my goodness, I, I just do not know how that they do it. But we remember what their goal is. Their goal is to look at that child's eye and to see if there's any disease there. Is there anything wrong that needs medications or surgery or another treatment? 
they are not there to measure if a child has color vision or if a child has very good depth perception or they're not going to measure how far away can the child see how close can the child see all of these types of tests that involve measuring the level of vision of a child those tests are usually performed by an optometrist so I am an optometrist and we'll go to undergraduate for four years and then we go to optometry school for another four years and then some optometrists will go to school in addition to that to specialize in children or to specialize in low vision or to specialize in learning but the optometrist we do not perform any surgery whatsoever so on the average when we do an examination on a child we usually will spend about one hour with the child and we'll generally see between six to eight patients a day so during our examination we are here to try to find out how far can this child see and if it's not normal then we're going to try to improve the child's sight by designing glasses we're then going to measure how close can the child see and then we will prescribe glasses to help that child for reading we will measure the child's color vision and if the child has difficulty seeing certain colors we could prescribe tinted lenses that could help them to see colors for example it's about 20% 20% of all boys have reduced color vision and girls have excellent color vision we also will perform different types of tests to see if the eye muscles are straight or if one eye is pointing inward and the other eye is pointing outward and if a child has misaligned eyes we could then recommend exercises sometimes glasses with prisms but we could usually straighten the eyes but if it's a case where the misalignment is so huge then we're going to refer them to the ophthalmologist 
to adjust the muscle. And then after they have the surgery, then we recommend specific exercises to make certain that the eyes are working together. The optometrist, we will also evaluate how a child is performing at school. Some kids who have difficulties with reading have reading problems because their eyes don't point at the correct word. Or in some cases, one eye is pointing at one word and the other eye is pointing at a different word and the brain gets confused. We see that other kids have difficulties learning letters and numbers because the brain perceives these numbers and letters as backwards. And this is called dysnemkinetic dyslexia. It's a big word, but it basically means that this child is going to have problems with reading and writing at school unless we correct this. And we will teach parents how to play a lot of fun games with these kids. And we could correct this so that they don't see these things backwards anymore. So overall, you could see there's a very, very big difference between the optometrist and the ophthalmologist. So if you have any concerns about how your child performs, for example, you might say, you know, my child's always tripping. There's nothing on the ground, and and he's always tripping. My child is always spilling when he's trying to pour milk in a cup. He never gets it in the cup. Or my child just cannot catch a ball. He's, he's the worst athlete out there. If you have questions or concerns about your child's performance, how they perform visual activities, you want to bring these questions up to the optometrist. You want to bring it up to the optometrist, and the optometrist can perform tests to see how your child is doing in these areas. Now, on the other hand, if you feel that your child has a disease to the eye, you notice that your child's right eye is always red. Or your child is always rubbing the right eye. Or the eyelashes are always stuck together. If you have any of these particular types of concerns about something physical to the eye, 
then you want to ask the ophthalmologist because what you see is probably correct. There's many times that parents will say, you know, I see this little dot. Do you see this little dot here in my child's pupil? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do see it. Well, we would want the ophthalmologist to look at it because that, in fact, could be the early signs of a cataract. And the ophthalmologist may say, well, you know what? This would be a perfect time to remove it. We could remove this in 15 minutes. No problems. So you can ask the ophthalmologist all the questions about the physical nature or the health of the eyes. But if you're going to ask the ophthalmologist to check to see if this child has dyslexia, they're not going to perform those tests. Just because the way their schedule is, they're scheduled to see 100 patients a day, and that type of test is going to take them too long. So at this time, does anybody have any questions? You could unmute your phone by pressing star 6, and if you have anything you would either like to share or if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to do that. Does anybody have any questions? Okay, well, we hope that this podcast is very, very helpful and very informative. And if you could get together this information and, and type it on your computer, it'll be very, very helpful. It'll save you a lot of time in the waiting room of these doctor's offices. And if there's anything that you really didn't catch, uh, Dick Burden from Ayers LA, he is recording this, and we will go ahead and we will put this up on the website at Ayers LA and also at the Braille Institute, okay? So we'll get that to them, and it will be up on the Internet probably in about a week or so. So does anybody have any other questions or any other questions about your own child or children you're working with right now? Okay, great. All right, well, we look forward to see you next month when we bring you more information about low vision. Good night, everybody.